thank you all for sharing that. If you would, turn to John chapter 4, 1 John, sorry. Turn to 1 John chapter 4 this morning. We're going to be finishing up our sermon series on examine yourself um, and the sermon series that we've been doing in 1 John. We kind of took a break there at the very end. Uh, we got interrupted by a couple of things, but we're uh, I'm glad to come back to this. I hope that this has been a good sermon series to you. We talked in youth this morning about uh, the Lord's Supper, and part of that is examining yourself and looking to see whether you are in a right the right place and taking the Lord's Supper in the right manner. And part of that goes back to what we've been talking about during the the six or so sermons that we've done in this series about do I, as a believer in my heart, uh, do I see these things? Do I see obedience? Do I see righteousness? Do I see love for other people and especially other believers um, that can only be described by Christ living inside of me? Do I see myself loving the things of God more than loving uh, the world? Uh, and this morning we're going to be looking at false teachers versus the spirit. And who do we listen to? Who is it that we're turning our ears towards? Um, and so I hope that this has been a good sermon series for you. Um, I also kind of wanted to deviate just a moment here. I, I had a great week. I hope you had a good week. I had an opportunity to go back to Hannibal this week um, and, and get some stuff done. And uh, I wanted I want to share with you guys something. Um, and, I, and I try to do this often, but I want you to know what a blessing uh, what a blessing you are to Melissa and I. Uh, when I go back to Hannibal, um, I get to see friends and former co-workers and uh, acquaintances, and I get stopped. Uh, Melissa hates going to Walmart with me because it's like three times as long because everybody wants to talk. Um, but I go back and I see these folks, and the second question usually out of their mouth after how are you is, how's the church doing? How, how's it going? And I am so grateful and so blessed to be able to talk about all of you. And like my chest sticks out. And it's not because of what I've done. But because I get to talk about what God's doing in our midst. Whether it's through small groups. Or what he's doing through our youth group. Or where he's leading us in different directions. Um, and how he's bringing us together as a family. Um, and I want you to know uh, what a blessing that is as a pastor. Um, and what a blessing it is for Melissa and I to talk about how much you all love us. Uh, how much you all have blessed us. Um, and to, to be able to share that with others. Um, and I, I pray that the Lord continues to do that, continues to bless us in that manner as we follow him in obedience in different ways. All right, that was my soapbox for the moment. We'll get that out of the way. Again, as I said before, this morning we're looking at John chapter 4, and we are studying about false teachers. Paul or John here, sorry, John is looking at what are these false teachers? Who are they? What are they saying? And versus what does the Spirit do inside of us? And so this morning we're going to be looking at those things. So hopefully by now you have found 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be reading, it says up there 1 through 7, it's 1 through 6. Um, and so we'll be reading that together. So if you found that and if you're able, would you please stand with us that we may honor the reading of God's Word this morning. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Behold, do not believe, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, but this you know, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus 
is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, again, ah, Lord, I have such a spirit of thankfulness in my heart this morning. Lord, as we talked about the Lord's Supper this morning in Sunday school and communion, Lord, and thinking about what you did on the cross, what you did in your resurrection, and, and how that has impacted my life as you saved me, Lord, to thinking about this church and how you have brought us together as a family with unique and individual components to, to be this amazing thing that we call the church, how you're using us, how you are planning to use us in the future. Lord, to being thankful and looking forward to your return, Lord, when our faith is manifested, when you are tangible, when we get to see for the first time your smile, to know your touch in a physical and, and, a, and, a, and a hard way, Lord, that as you embrace us, Father, to, to experience a place with no more suffering, to experience a place with no more sorrow. Lord, there is much for us to be thankful for this morning. There is much for us to be looking forward to this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we come before you and come into your word, Lord, that you would open it up to us, Lord, that you would help us to, to be diligent about not following those that would try to confuse us or those that would try to lead us the wrong way, but that we would focus on you, that we would take time to listen to the spirit that you've put inside of us so that we may do the right thing, that we may do that which you are calling us to. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would speak through your word in a way that only you can. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So our test, obviously this morning, this is our fifth test and our final test, but it, it's false teachers versus the Spirit. And really, we could have worded it in a slightly different way um, and said, really, that it was about the confession of Christ. Um, this morning and who confesses and who doesn't. We see this test referenced in several points. We see it referenced in chapters 2, 18 through 26. We see it referenced in the passage that we just read in chapter 4, 1 through 6. We see it again in chapter 4, 13 through 19, five, chapter 5, 6 through 12, and then chapter 5, 19 through 21. And in all of those passages, you're going to see one of two things. You're either going to see the John talking about false teachers or false prophets or those that would seek to deceive the followers of God and, and to deceive all people. Or you're going to see John talking about the Spirit and how the Spirit testifies to the truth in us, how the Spirit testifies to the truth about who Christ is and about the true gospel. Um, and those things tie so closely together um, and, and truly, this test that we're talking about, and I said this earlier, but the test of false teachers versus the false prophets, we could have called it just simply the test of confessing Christ or not. It ties closely into that because what you're going to see 
throughout the time, our time this morning is that false teachers are identified by those who do not uh, confess Christ, those who do not fest, confess the fullness of who he is or how we get to God, whereas the Holy Spirit is identified and truth is identified largely by Christ, by the confession of who he is and by the gospel and the truth of that. And so that's what we're going to be looking at before first. But before we look at that, before we get to that point, I want us to look very briefly at something that he talks about in several of those passages, and that's the agents of false teaching. Okay, the agents of false teaching. This is going to be the, the next slide over. But the agents of false teaching, we see here in this passage, that he, or in these passages, he talks about antichrist. He talks, talks about false prophets. He talks about the spirits. And he talks about those who are le- who, those who have left the church. I want to. I'm going to go through these very quickly, and and I apologize that not all this is in your notes. But one of the things I want us to see through all of these is that the evil one is a liar who seeks to deceive. First Peter five eight says, "Be sober minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour." John chapter, the Gospel of John, chapter 844 says this. Jesus says, you, so speaking to the Pharisees and those who were opposing him, you are, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Lies. And so what I want us to understand about all of these individuals that John is speaking of, whether he's speaking about the Antichrist or he's speaking about false prophets or the spirits or those who have left the church, all of them are being used by our enemy to deceive, whether it's to deceive us and distract us as believers from the truth or whether it is to deceive the world and lead them down a path that ends in destruction. And he talks a little bit, he talks about the Antichrist, and and really he speaks of two Antichrists. He speaks of the ultimate enemy who will come, but he also speaks of Antichrist plural, and those are those individuals that are being used now to directly oppose, to directly oppose the work of the gospel. Sometimes they look a lot and sound a lot like us. There will be certain snippets of truth in their overall message, but when you boil down to it, they are opposed to the gospel and they are opposed to Jesus Christ and they will deny him every time. We see the false prophets, those who would stand up and say, I know the will of God and they and we are warned throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament to be on watch for those individuals, to test them, to make sure that what they're saying is true. We see it in the spirits. This is probably the most heartbreaking for me because as an American culture, if I were... if to go up to most people on the street and ask them if they believed in spirits, to ask them if they believed in things that we could not see, they would think I'm crazy. Because Satan has done a wonderful job in our culture of allowing science to prove everything. And I'm not saying science is bad. Science has been great in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, we have used that to mask other things. And so Satan has stepped back in the shadows to operate from there in a very uh, covert way so that oftentimes we can say, well, that's not really him, that's something else. 
And, and, but in the meantime, we see the results of his destruction. We see how he's torn families apart in our culture. We see how he has flipped what is right upside down because we have grown ignorant to who he is and what he is about. But he's there. And he's like our, the passage we just read. He is seeking to devour us, to trick us. He's a liar. It's in his nature. But not only that, but I see it in other places. You go to a third world countries that believe in animism, where they believe in spirits, where that's a part of their daily life, and you see people that are stuck in fear. They're controlled by their fear of the spirits, and they do everything they do, everything they do is so that they may appease that which they fear. And you see him work in very overt ways there instead of covert. He is out in the open. And it is scary at times. And so we have these spirits that we must also test and make sure where they're at and who's speaking to us. And then lastly, we have those that left the church. And I want to be very careful right here. Because when John is speaking about those who have left the church and therefore proven that they are not one of us, he is not talking about people that argued over the color of the carpet and then went to another church. Okay? That's not what we're speaking of here this morning. We're not talking about people that have left one church and gone to another church. That's not at all what's being talked about. Okay? What we are speaking of, what John specifically is speaking of this morning, is those who have gone through a test of the faith or have something has happened and they have walked away from the church denying the gospel, denying the church, and denying Jesus Christ. I have a friend like this, and maybe you do too. And my heart, when, it, when I think of him, and as I remember to pray for him, my heart breaks. Because when we were in school together, man, we were united at the hip, and we were quite the pair. When I, when I was in school, especially when we first met in middle school, I was all of five foot eight, and I weighed about 85 pounds, okay? I was a rail. Michael was five foot eight as well. We were about the same height, but Michael weighed north of 250. So Michael and I would stand next to each other and be like, yeah, we're best friends, and people would just start laughing. Like, what, are you eating all this lunch every day? Like, what's going on? Mike and I were great friends. And Mike, Mike and I did everything together. But Mike went through some incredibly difficult experiences, some incredibly different life experiences that tested his faith. And now Mike has walked away from the church and denied all of it. That's what we're speaking of. Those that have walked away and said, I don't want anything to do with that. I, I don't believe that anymore. And I want you to be careful here because sometimes our, our, our response to that, when we see people walk away in that fashion, when we see people abandon the church in that fashion, and again, this isn't just moving a church. This is abandoning the truth. Our, our, our response is to throw our hands up and say, well, we tried. No, our response to be to be to look at them and run after them and take the gospel to them harder. To love on them the way that we were loved by Jesus Christ as he opened our hearts and eyes. To pray for them, not to just give up and say, well, we tried. Okay, So I want us to be careful with that this morning. And so, like I said, one of the common elements here is that they are all... They are all under the influence of the evil one who is trying to deceive. The other two comments you can see are already up there. One is that they are deny, that they deny Christ. All of these agents of false teaching will deny Christ, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. And eventually they will all abandon you. 
eventually they will all leave you. Whereas Christ promises to be with you until the end of the age, all of these agents of false teaching will abandon you. They will leave you. All right. So now that we've looked at that just briefly, I want to then turn our attention to our test questions. If we're examining ourselves, and this is a test, then there's got to be test questions. So the first test question is, what is false teaching? Very simply, what is false teaching? If you'll turn over to 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, maybe you have to flip back, maybe you don't. John gives us a very simple definition in this text of what false teaching is. It says, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one denies the Father, the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Okay? John spells it out very clearly. Who, what is false teaching? Who is false teaching? It is anyone or anything that denies Christ. That denies the deity of Christ. That denies the connection between Christ and God. That denies that he is the only way to have a relationship with God. There are many, there are many who speak of Christ in glowing terms. You will find many people who say he was a great teacher. You will find many who say he was a man to be modeled and, and that we should model our lives after. But many of those folks deny he is the Savior. They deny that he is the only way to God. I'll give you an example. This, this blew my mind. This blew my mind when I first went to Madagascar. I had never, I don't know if you're like me, but growing up in the middle of, or northeast Missouri, I don't run into a lot of Muslims. Maybe you do. Maybe you go down the street and you meet them all the time. But I don't, okay? I don't go into Dairy Queen and, and they're not there. And so I didn't know anything about them, okay? I knew that we were opposed to them and they were opposed to us, and I, I knew some of that. But other than that, I didn't know a whole lot about them. And so when I arrived in Madagascar, it was kind of kind of surprising to see a mosque. It was kind of surprising to see some folks that were um, from that area. But my job was very interesting. Those were the exact folks that I had to work with every day. Those were the folks that we bought cars from. Those were the folks that we often rented houses from. Those were the folks that when the car broke down, we had to go to them to buy the part, which, you know, kind of makes you wonder. But all of that said, those were the people that I worked with every day. And so God began to tune my heart into that, and I began to say, man, these are the people that need the gospel. I want to learn about them. And what I began to find out pretty quick that amazed me is that when I would say, do you know Jesus, all of them to a person would say yes. And I would go, wait, what? And they're like, oh, yeah, we know who Jesus is. And what I came to find out is that if you read the Quran, the Quran not only talks about Jesus, the holy book of the Muslims not only talks about Jesus, but he is one of the larger prophets. He is a main player to the point that the Quran says that good Muslims, perfect Muslims, must listen to the words of Christ. I was like, do what? Like, <laughs> that shocked me. And I began to study more and more about it, but what I realized, what this was an incredibly well thought out plan of the enemy. 
Because you get as close to the truth as possible, and at the last minute, you say, but he's not the Christ. Oh yeah, if you want to believe in him, that's fine. If you want to listen to him, if you want to love people the way that he tells people to love people, if you want to follow in his way, that's fine, but understand he's not the Savior. Man, that one last line changed everything. Changed everything. And so that's how we knew that this doctrine is false teaching, because it denies the Christ. There are others out there who say, yes, I follow Christ. Yes, I, I believe him, but they deny that he is God. That's false teaching. They deny that he is fully man. False teaching. They deny the Trinity. False teaching. If we do not have the whole gospel, if we do not have the completeness of the truth, then it is false teaching. Which brings me to this next statement. There are vital things that we must not abandon. There are vital things that we must not abandon. Just to name a few, we cannot abandon the inerrancy of Scripture. We must set our feet that this is the truth without error. We must not abandon the Trinity. We must not abandon Jesus as both fully man and fully God. We must not abandon what happened on the cross and the resurrection. We must not abandon the virgin birth. And we must not abandon that Christ is the only way. That he is the one true way to God. On these things we must set our feet and tell the world, no, we will not move. And that is going to grow increasingly difficult as the days continue. We already see it in our media. We already see it in those around us that it is growing increasingly difficult to set our feet on those principles and say, this is truth, and on this we cannot move. Now, there are other things out there that we can disagree on. Okay, We can disagree on all of the timing of the things of Revelation. Okay, We can disagree on those things. Now, I'm right and you're wrong, but we can disagree on those. All right, We can disagree on exactly... How salvation works itself out. There's a little bit of a mystery there, okay? There's a little bit of a mystery about how much he pursues us, okay? And 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 our our role, our free will in that. Alright? There's a mystery there, and we can debate that and we can talk about that. But on these things we cannot debate. On these things we must stay our ground. And I believe there is a time coming when we will have to look at other brothers and sisters in other denominations and other churches. And we must find common ground with them and say, these are the things that we will stand on as a church as a whole against the world and say, no, we will not move. And we're going to have to put all the differences behind us. But let us not abandon these things. Let us not listen to false teaching that would lead us from these things, John says. All right, so that's false teachers. So what then does the Spirit do? The other passages that we have here deal more with this. Turn back to chapter 4, and I want to show you four things very quickly that the Spirit does. Turn back to chapter 4. We're going to do start in verse 13. He says there in verse 13, he says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Okay, so John's saying here, By this we know that we're believers. Because he has given us the Spirit. Okay, so that's the first thing that the Spirit of truth does. It's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does. He dwells in us. Okay? All of these other things are external influences, okay? 
But the Holy Spirit, when you are saved, when you become a believer, dwells within you. He dwells with you. And He will never abandon you. He will never leave you. Now, you may turn a deaf ear to Him at times, and it may grow difficult for you to hear Him, because you have stopped up your own ears, but He will never leave you. He dwells in us. Go a little bit farther down to verse 15. Verse 15 in chapter 4. Well, let me read 14 in between there. It says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in Him and He in God. Okay, so the Spirit of truth dwells in us. Second, the Spirit of truth confesses Christ. He confesses Christ. Remember, how do we know who a false teacher is? It's the one who denies the fullness of who Christ is and denies the full gospel. All right? The Spirit does the exact opposite. The Spirit is there to lift up Christ and to worship Him in the manner that we should. It elevates Christ to the place that He should be elevated to. So He dwells in us. He confesses Christ. Third, He loves. Go down to verse 16. He says there, John says, So we have come to know and and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us. I'm going to stop there in the middle of 17. Okay? So the Spirit dwells in us, the Spirit confesses Christ, and the Spirit loves us and causes us to love others. We know the completeness. We see the love where? We see the love at the cross. As Christ stepped out of all of heaven, all of the majesty, all of the holiness that he had, he stepped out of that to put on flesh, to be perfectly man and perfectly God, that he may live a sinless life, and so that his sacrifice would be enough for all of us, to pay all of our debts. And then he rose again in victory that we now join in over death and sin. That is huge. That is huge. That Christ would die for us. I hope you marvel in that. I hope you relish in that. That you, we know love because Christ has done this great thing in our life. Do you experience that? Do you remind yourself of that every morning when you get up? Oh, what great love I know because of the gospel. Do you remind yourself of it when you go to bed? As you lay your head down, no matter how your day is gone, to lay your head down on that pillow and go, Oh, I have known love because of Christ today. Is that a mark of you? It's so interesting. Someone was talking about Melissa this week, and I'm going to brag on her just a little bit. But it's a truth that should speak to all of us. Melissa had a student or a, a, a grandmother of a student come to her this week and say, I need to tell you something. She said, my, my granddaughter told me this week that she loves being around you because you're always so happy. You're always so cheerful. And if you know Melissa, then you, you know that to be true. If you can get her out of a large crowd and get her to talk to you. But you know that to be true. And people talk, talk about her. They're like, she's like the sweetest person ever. And I always laugh. I'm like, yeah, you should see her mad. It's like, you know, honey on pancakes. 
Like, there, there is no anger there. Like, it's kind of funny to me, not to her. All right? And so she's just so sweet. And the, per, the grandmother told her granddaughter, and I love this. She said, you know why she's that way? Because she knows Jesus. Yeah, it's part of her personality. Yeah, it's part of who she is. But the reason that she can maintain it is because she knows Christ. Is that true for you? I don't say that to build Melissa up this morning. I say that to ask you the question. Is that true of you? Do you know the love of Christ to the point where you can love others that way? To the point where no matter the chaos that's going on in life, you can say, I know him and that's more valuable an amazing thing that the spirit does inside of us lastly is he gives us confidence that love of christ that has been poured out on us through this through the grave and the cross is now also gives us confidence verse 17 i'll start back at the beginning it says by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is also because as he is so also are we in this world There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Do you catch that? Do you catch that? We are all going to experience the day of judgment, but some of us, and some in this this room, and, and many outside these four walls, they look to the day of judgment, and there is fear. There is fear. Because it's like, man, I'm going to be before God, and is it all going to weigh out? Like, is the good going to go over the bad? And oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And the end of the world is fearful to them, and death is fearful to them. But catch what Christ does. Catch what love does through the Spirit. He gives us what? Confidence. So that when we look towards the dead judgment, there is no fear. Because it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you've been. It's all about the blood of Christ and if you put your faith in that. That is awesome. I no longer fear death. I no longer fear judgment. I no longer fear standing before the Lord because of what he has done. He has made me like Christ. I loved what one of my friends said this week. He said, one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves, and you're going to maybe shocked by this. I was. He said, one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is that, oh, I'm just a poor sinner. Friend, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are not a poor sinner. You are now a saint. You are a saint who continues to sin occasionally. You are not a sinner. That is not how Christ sees you. There is no fear in love. When it is perfected in us, it gives us great confidence. John says here in chapter 5, he says that when that he's writing these things that we may have confidence in, in our salvation so that we can enter into prayer knowing that he will answer it. That is the type of confidence that the Spirit puts in us. Trust me, false teaching does none of that. It puts no confidence in you. It puts no uh, hope in you. But rather it produces fear. It produces fear. The Spirit of truth does this great thing. In our lives. It produces so much more than that. So test question number three. Are you holding on. To what you heard in the beginning. Are you holding on. To what you heard in the beginning. Chapter four verse five through six. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God. Does not listen to us. By this we know the Spirit 
Who are you listening to? This is the true test question. We know false teachers. We know that they deny Christ. And the thing is that so often, especially in our culture, it is subtle. It is little things that we hear and we're convinced that's truth. It's little things that get us off tilt, tilt just a little bit. It's kind of like riding a lawnmower. I, I, Dad used to make me mow the lawn, and I hate mowing the lawn. Like, that's why I hire it out now. Like, God blessed me with a job where I can pay a teenager a little bit of money, and he does the worst job in the world for me. It's a great thing. Like, why we didn't think of this earlier, I don't know. Like, if I would have known people did it for you, that's where my allowance money would have went instead of baseball cards. Like, I would have done that. All right? But one of the things that Dad used to get so stinking mad about was I could not mow in a straight line to save my life. Okay? And Dad would be like, we have three acres of grass. The lines have to be straight. And I would mow, and the first ten feet would be great. And Dad, Dad had this amazing trick. He's like, son, just look off in the distance, pick a point, and go towards it. And I would say, that's great for the first ten feet. But we have three acres, Dad, and by the time I get to the first acre, I'm looking at that. And, like, we've shifted a little bit. Like, that's a long way to look at one point. I want to look at other things. Because, frankly, that telephone pole is boring. And so we begin to shift a little bit, and then you look back, and you see all these waves all the way through. Okay? And it's like, Dad would just be like, oh, forget it. Like, the best thing I found out to do, by the way, is Mom had a bird bath in the middle, and I would do circles out from that. And it created a really cool pattern that didn't have lines. Never got yelled at again. Anyway, <laughs> this is the point, okay, is that cry that the deceivers of the world in our culture they want we know we should look at Christ we know we should follow him and they don't get us by making big distractions we know that if we when we go way off we know when we've made a hard left turn okay or a hard right turn what gets us is that we begin to buy into little lies and over time we gradually work away we we look at that, and then we look, and then we look, and then we look, and we look back at the line, and the line is all over the place. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? This morning, are you listening to false teaching? Can you see it when it stands in front of you? Can you recognize it? Are you in the word enough? Are you in the word enough? Are you in your prayer closet enough? That when you hear something wrong in front of you, you go, there's something wrong there. There's something off there. It's kind of like my dad always had this weird sense that when he would meet somebody, he would say, hey, don't trust that guy. And I was always like, what? Because I trust everybody. Okay? Or at least when I was little. And dad would say, don't trust that guy. And I'd be like, why? And he's like, I'm like, dad, you just met him. He's like, I just know. There's something off about that person. And it may be 10 years later that we find out something was going on. And dad was like, that's the same way it should be with us false teachers. We should be in the word enough. We should be attuned to the spirit enough. We should be praying enough that when they stand in front of us and they say something, even if it sounds good, that we can go, nah. Something's off. 
Or are you so deaf, have you turned your ears so deaf that when they stand in front of you, you can't tell the difference? Are you listening to God? Are you listening to Him? Are you allowing Him to be involved in decisions in your life? I was talking with somebody this week, a, a fellow believer that was facing a large decision, and I said, you know, there was no, people come to pastors, and they ask these questions like, what should I do? Like, somehow I'm like some savant that knows immediately, like, whether you should take that job or this job, and that wasn't what it was. But, like, they think that somehow I can see in the future and know what's going on. I can't, by the way. But they were asking me this question about, and I'll, I'll tell you what it was. Should I date this boy or should I not date this boy? Like, I know this kid from Adam. Like, I don't know. Like, is he a believer? Yeah, well, okay, whatever. Okay? But this is what I told her. This is what I told her. I said, in every major life decision, and dating is one of those, but in every major life decision that God has took me through, he has confirmed his will in three ways. He's confirmed it through his spirit speaking through me. In my prayer life, that, that little voice that tells you this is the way you need to go, he's confirmed it through other people. You know, we talked about agents of falsehood, that, that the enemy is using people to deceive. Guess what? God does the same thing through the body of Christ, through your brothers and sisters. He uses them to speak truth into your life. Sometimes it's not truth you want to hear, but he uses them to speak truth. He's used other people, and then thirdly, he's always used his word. He's always used his word. And so I told her, I said, pray about it. Is that voice speaking to you? Read your word. Listen to sermons. Is there something that God, and you wouldn't think that that would, but you'd be surprised when you're asking God, give me a word, how many times this becomes more specific than you ever thought. And then what are your brothers and sisters saying to you? What are your brothers and sisters saying to you? Melissa and I experienced this when we were trying to decide whether to leave Madagascar. I experienced it in deciding to go Madagascar. Different jobs, like pray over it, read your word, listen to those that are speaking into your life. But you got to be listening. You got to be listening. If you're not listening, you're going to go off the path. The times that I've screwed up is when that little I followed that little voice inside of me, and about ten steps down the wrong path, I realized that little voice was not him. That little voice was what Brian wanted. But I didn't do the other thing, and so I got lost. And then the last question, do you have the Spirit? Do you have the Spirit? If you're a believer, you know the answer to this question. If you're a believer, this question is an easy yes question. And, but if I were to say, describe it to me, then you would be bumbling all over yourself, most of you. You'd be like, I don't know really how to tell you that I know that I have the Spirit, but I know that I have Him. I know that I've experienced Him. I know that He's been real in my life. That's an easy yes. And some of you can say that this morning, and you can celebrate and worship this morning, and that is awesome. Some of you here this morning are believers, though, and you go, yes, I know that, I, I know that He's been a part of my life, but I, I can't hear Him anymore. I've gone deaf because I've, I've looked too much the other direction. I've looked too much the other direction. Friend, it's not hard to get back on your straight line. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. And look at Him. Look at Him. And then there's some of you who are going, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never experienced this spirit that you're talking about. I've never experienced this confidence about death and about judgment the way you've talked about it. I've never experienced love the way that you've talked about it. And this morning, friend, I would say that that would be, that's why we do these tests. Because that is a red light that you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And this morning, I invite you, pray. Have a conversation with God this morning. Tell Him, look, I know, I know that I've made mistakes. I know that I've sinned in my life. I know that I've done things and our relationship is broken. I, I confess that to you, but I'm asking you to forgive me for those things. And I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my trust in you to be my Savior the way that you promised that you will be. In fact, I'm trusting you so much that I'm making you the boss and I will go wherever you want me to go and I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you'll have that conversation this morning, then you'll know all these things that we've talked about. You'll know the love, you'll know the confidence, that guiding spirit that we've talked about this morning. So I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. And we're just going to have a time of invitation. We're going to have a time of response. I don't know what God's speaking to your heart. I don't know where you're at with this. But I know that when the word of God goes out, that there is a response that we are to make. And so I invite you. You can use the altar. You can come up, confess if you need to, worship if you need to. Thank him for what he's done in your life. Thank him for the spirit here. This is not just a place of bad things. This is a place of rejoicing as well. Maybe you need to come up and confess him for the first time. If so, I'm here for you. Others can be here for you as well. But you respond this morning the way that God would have you respond. Let me pray for you, and then we'll have that time. Father, we just come before you this morning. We thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you give us warning that there are those out there that would seek to deceive us, to lie to us about what's right and what's wrong, that there are those out there that would lie to us, Lord, that would make us want to be afraid. Lord, thank you for that warning. Thank you for being a good father in that. And thank you even more that you put in those that trust in you a spirit of truth who dwells with us, who will never abandon us, who will never leave us, who loves us, who gives us this great confidence. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for all that you've accomplished. Lord, I pray as a church that we would respond appropriately to that, Lord, that we would worship you, that we would confess and repent if that's what needed, or for those here that don't know you, Lord, that you would push them over the edge of salvation, Lord, that they would make that decision and take that step towards you this morning. And Lord, then as we go out, Lord, that we would be the people of God, we would be lights to this community that we have. Lord, be in this time, be in this space. I pray this in your name.